Isaiah chapter 60 this morning. Isaiah chapter 60. As you enter into the holiday seasons right now, you may have some opportunity to attend some holiday parties, perhaps at work or other places where the people you're gathered with are really not what you'd call friends, and that's not saying anything mean or derogatory against them, but they are acquaintances. And, and you may find yourself in this situation, and being a child of God, being a Christian, you ought to be friendly, and, and you ought to be winsome and, and, and get involved in other people's lives. As you seek to do that, what do you end up doing? Well, you, you, you just try to think of something to talk about and chit-chat, and, and then what you find, usually, is that you kind of hit a, a groove and you start really fellowshipping with the people and really enjoying your time and, and really glad that you went to the party. Uh, that, that's what happens with uh, acquaintances and mandatory gatherings, things like that. But how is it different when you're with your friends? And I'm talking about those friends who are just easy to be with, a delight to be with. I mean, when you get together, there's no thinking about, well, what am I going to talk about? How am I going to make chick-chick? No, no, no. Your, your, your heart's beat as one on so many topics. You're headed in the same direction in life. Uh, most, most often a Christian, a fellow Christian. And when you get together, it's not a problem finding things to talk about. It's a problem shutting it all down so you can go on to what you're supposed to do. I, I see many of you around here uh, you, you say, oh, yeah, we got to get going here today. And then 20 minutes later, 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, you're still talking. And it's like, we really got to get going, right? It, 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 it just, it's so free when you have somebody you delight to be with. God made, God made mankind that way. He made mankind in his image. He made mankind in righteousness. So that when God and man walked together in the Garden of Eden, it was a mutual delight in mutual holiness. No guilt, no shame, all delight. Today's text tells us there's going to be such a day again for mankind, that God will restore us to his glory, and he will delight in us. Now, today's text, Isaiah 60, is poetry. There's 10 stanzas, five on each side of verse 12. So I take verse 12 to be kind of pivotal or important. Um, If you look at verse number 12, it says, for the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations utterly shall be utterly laid waste. So there is a promise to Israel. And, and it's not all negative like this. It's the nations that will not serve Israel. And around this, we have the nations serving Israel to Israel's delight and to those nations' delight. Uh, this is not vengeance. This is uh, restored holiness among the nations, honoring God's people with great joy and God being glorified in all of it. Look at, verse, look at the end of this chapter. See where we're going. In verse 21, your people shall all be righteous. This is speaking to Israel. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. God is going to be glorified in his people, Israel. And then verse 21, the least one shall become a clan, the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord So God is basing this in his character, his person. In its time, I will hasten it. And there is a, um, uh, um, what do you call a word that sounds the same? Homonym, thank you. Yeah, I had had the wrong letters in it. There's a homonym in the Hebrew. And that homonym uh, is uh, is to enjoy. Uh, In its time, I will enjoy it. Now, with that homonym, there's many uh, authors who believe that Isaiah 
intended a double entendre, a double meaning. That when he says God will hasten it, that he wanted you to also think of God is going to take joy in this. He is going to be glorified. He is going to take joy. So with that, let's read chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. They, shall, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, the, all, the, uh, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. They shall bring good news and praise of the Lord. All the flocks of Keter shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud, like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me. The ships of Tarshish first to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations, with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those Nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to, the beautiful, to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you. And all who despise you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you had been forsaken and hated, with, uh, 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 with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseer's peace and your taskmaster's righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. 
They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. Let's pray. Father, as we continue our study in Isaiah, Lord, we thank you that there's a time you're going to restore your people, Israel, to be an absolute joy to you. And Father, we Gentiles get to join in this by honoring your people and praising and worshiping you in a renewed earth where, Father, uh, life is a joy continually. It's productive and joyful. Father, we look forward to this eternal state, to the ages within this eternal state that are all a wonder yet undisclosed. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to be transformed by your word today, that, uh, Lord, we would look forward to this time when we are put right in righteousness, when we are a mutual joy to you and mutually holy with you as we stand in the holiness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Until that time, Lord, I pray that you would help us to put on holiness, to engage in progressive sanctification, progressive holiness, and, Lord, progressively walk closely with you in this lifetime while we walk by faith and not by sight. God, might your spirit have free reign in our hearts to convict and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we begin our study here today, the, when the world experiences global darkness, a time of, uh, the, that the world is most dark. The light of God will shine out of Israel and draw the nations to her. This is a promise to Israel. Look at verses uh, 1 through 9 here. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. All nations shall come to your light. And again, this is Old Testament. It's a plan for Gentiles, God including and loving Gentiles. All nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you, your sons and daughters from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. So we have ships bringing wealth to Israel. Uh, next we have in verse 6, camels, another means of conveyance, of conveying wealth. In verse 6, the multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian, Ephah, all those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. They shall bring good news and praises of faith. So they're going to bring good news and I think the content of that good news is they are praising God Almighty, the God of Israel. These are people of faith. These are Gentiles who are participating in the kingdom with Israel, with God, all a mutual, mutual delight. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you, the rams of Naboyeth. They shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. And I will beautify my house. And let me just stop here and just say, there, there, what, what period of time did this ever happen in, or will this happen? Uh, prophecy, uh, when, uh, including Isaiah, when prophets prophesy, they, they paint a picture. It's like a mountain range. And you might see, here's this mountain range, and you're like, you know what? Let's just hike from this peak to that peak to that peak to the fourth peak today when we get there, okay? And then, then you realize as you keep driving, you're driving forever. It's a long way to get to that mountain range. And when you get to peak number one, uh, that you saw from long away, so right beside peak number two, you realize it's a day's journey to get down one and up the other, and it's a two-day journey to the third, and, and, and you just, uh, once you get there, 
there's just a lot more detail, time, space that you didn't realize. And, and that's what I compare prophecy to. I don't think that Isaiah has to be talking about one period of time. Gentile nations carrying the people of Israel back to Israel. We saw some of that in the, 20, in the 20th century. In the middle of the 20th century, uh, nations helping Israelites get back and reestablish the land of Israel. Um, I, I think that it'll happen even in, 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 in bigger multitudes as we get toward the end times proper. But, but perhaps some of that has already happened. Um, and then here we see in verse number 7, we, we, they, they are bringing rams and flocks to, uh, to come up with acceptance on my altar. Well, you know, there, there's no altar today, but we would understand that in the, um, in the millennial kingdom, there will be an altar, there will be a temple. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in time. But then there's also going to be a time where there'll be no temple we are promised, and that's the eternal state, and that's important too. So I think you're going to see a mountain range of time frames uh, here as, as far as uh, different things that are happening in eschatology, not all in one day, okay? Uh, eschatology being the study of un- end times. Um, but we have the mention of the altar here in verse 7. I just had to pause and point that out. Verse 8, uh, who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands, the coastlands would be the Gentile nations around the Mediterranean. The coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish, that's Phoenician ships, first, to bring your children from afar. And that's, I think that's kind of poignant because the, the tips of Char- Tarshish, the, the ships of Tarshish, were, um, were, um, they were known for trade. And some of the most wicked trade was human trade, the trade of slaves. Now these ships are going to be used to bring the children of Israel back. To bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. It's just a promise of delight for Israel. In the middle of darkness, they become the light of the world. And uh, they will be a blessing to the nations. Now, we live in what we call the church age. If you break up history the way we do here at Cornerstone, we, we call this the church age. We also call it the time of the Gentiles. It's not that there are no Jews following God. Uh, Paul said that God always preserves a remnant for himself. There's always some, and, and we rejoice over our Jewish brothers and sisters. But the day is coming when Israel will be the one pointing the nations to Christ. It will no longer be the day of Gentiles. It'll be a day for Israel. Listen to Paul talking about this in Romans 11. And and it's interesting because he's speaking about Gentiles collecting a gift for Jerusalem in the middle of our dispensation of time, in the middle of our era, church age, in in the book of Romans. Uh, He's talking about an offering they were taking to the Jews, the Jewish church uh, in Jerusalem. And he says of this offering, Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection, by the way, this is not the passage talking about the offering, we'll get to that. Uh, This is a passage talking about their rejection and then their acceptance of Christ. For if their rejection means reconciliation of the world, in other words, we're in an era where Israel, as a nation, hates Christianity. Uh, You can be an atheist and your fellow Jews in Israel will understand that. But they don't understand why you would be a traitor and go after this guy Jesus. To them, that is just being a traitor. And and so as a nation, they would reject Christ while um, perhaps hundreds of thousands of Jews are Christians in the land of Israel. Millions would reject Christianity. And so we're in this time of rejection Uh, this time of the Gentiles, and Paul asked this question. If their rejection means reconciliation of the world, 
what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? That's a rhetorical question. In other words, this is going to, that's a statement. When they are reconciled, it is going to be life from the dead. And I don't believe that's talking about just Israel. Uh, we are evangelizing the world today, and it's a delight. But I think it's a pittance compared to what is going to happen when Israel turns right. It will be life from the dead for the world. There will be a shockwave of evangelism. Verse 4 promises this uh, gathering of all Israel. And again, I, I, I commented that we've seen some of this in the 20th century, but I, I think there might be something even more to look forward to as things unfold. Isaiah 49 Uh, We had seen this there. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples, and they shall bring their sons in your arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. The nations, the Gentiles, are going to help you regather your people in the land. We also see in verses uh, 7 through 9 that they are showered with gifts. And they are glorious. Uh, they, are, they are just delighted. Uh, the, um, uh, I will beautify my house in verse number 7. And, uh, and, and then at the end of verse number 9, because he has made you beautiful. Uh, God is going to make Israel beautiful. And, and out of praise to God, the nations are going to bring all of these gifts to Israel. It's nice when people praise you for who you are. I, you know, if they give you a compliment, they just... They, You know, they say something, that's kind of nice. But it is eternally rewarding when they praise you for who God made you to be. Or when they praise God for who you are. When they say, you know, I knew you back then. And I can see the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, You have changed for the better. And only God does that in people. Uh, that, that, that is just such a delight, and that is the delight that Israel is going to know. People are going to praise God for Israel and what he has done in their midst in making them beautiful. May God make you morally, lovingly beautiful. Our, our next point today is that God's hands of chastisement, which was once on Israel, will now turn to her unrepentant enemies. Now, many of our enemies are going to be converted, but there are going to be unrepentant enemies who will not be converted. And those who punished Israel will now be punished by God. Look at verse 10. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night. They shall not be shut. Why are you going to keep the gates open day and night continually? in order that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. Kings being led in procession, that, that, that's, that's like a royal procession that's honoring Israel. Uh, goods and services being showered upon them. Verse 12, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. Now we see in Zechariah during the millennial kingdom, um, uh, the, during the millennial kingdom, that there, is, uh, there are nations that will not bring up their offering to the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and God will withhold rain. He will bring, he will bring uh, plagues and pestilence on their nations. Uh, so we, and we see this language referring to the rule of Jesus. And this cannot be the eternal state where everybody is sanctified. He will rule with a fist of iron. Okay, now, you know, when... when wh- 
if we were all believers, there would not have to be a fist of iron. But the point is, during the millennial kingdom, there will be unbelievers and unbelieving nations. And, and so, uh, as I understand, that's the case in the millennial kingdom. But then there comes a point to which they perish, a great battle at the end of that kingdom. And so here I think we're kind of stipping our toes a little bit into the eternal state or that transition from the kingdom to the eternal state. Uh, the glory of Lebanon, verse 13, shall come to you. The cypress, the plain, and the pine to beautify the place of my sanctuary. So in verse, uh, verses uh, 10 and 11, they were building up the city, the walls. Uh, here they're building up the sanctuary, which sounds like the temple. And... Um, Or maybe it's, again, the city because it's going to be called the city of the Lord in verse 14. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you. So it's recognizing there's generational change here, that it's not the people who afflicted you, but it's the sons, the descendants in certain nations that afflicted you. Uh, These sons are going to be converted and they're going to come bending low to you. And all who despise you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So they're going to be known by their God. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. This is kind of an awkward metaphor, uh, and and it's awkward for us, this next one. And I think it was awkward on Isaiah's day too. Okay, you shall suck the milk of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings. And, And just the imagery of that takes you off guard, and it's like, what is that about? And, and again, I think that it is a bit of an attention getter. Uh, the, the, the milk is representative of richness, of, 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 of fat richness, as in a land of milk and honey. And the nursing is, if you think about all the tasks that a mother does for an infant, nursing is perhaps the most intimate caring uh, for many moms. It's just the most intimate caring part of motherhood, moments of motherhood as you're raising an infant. And, and so, uh, you know, of course, what takes you off guard is you've got kings nursing. And, you know, so you've got males nursing. And, and so what I, think the, what I think the contrast, I think it's supposed to take you off guard. And it's to point out that these, these kings who had been prodding and poking and persecuting Israel are now just going to be all gaga over Israel. I mean, they're going to be so intimately in love with Israel, you know. I mean, it, it, it's just going to be such a turnaround. That it should take you off, the, the, the metaphor is supposed to, I believe, take you off guard and make you see the incredible transition in human attitude toward Israel. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. The, um, as I said, the, the entire poem is centered on verse number 12, the nations that do not serve you will perish. Verses 10 and 11, rebuilding a city. Verses 13 and 14, the rebuilding of the sanctuary. Or, or again, maybe that's the whole city as a sanctuary, <clears throat> depending on the era of time. And uh, verse 14 is a biblical principle of which we want to be aware. God uses nations to punish Israel throughout history. But then God punishes those nations for touching Israel because the promise to Abraham, those who dishonor you I will utterly curse, still applies even though God used the nations to punish Israel. Deuteronomy 28 speaks of this. If you just want to listen to Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. This is if you do not obey him. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. 
and your dead, dead body shall be food for all the birds of the air and for the beasts of the earth. And there should be no one to frighten them away. So we have seen in verses 10 through 14, uh, there's a choice that nations will make. Some will humble themselves, bow down and honor Israel, formerly persecuted Israel. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll instead bring gifts to Israel or they'll be destroyed. They'll be utterly eliminated. And none of this is for some sick pleasure of vengeance on the part of Israel. This is a time where Israel is sanctified and walking with the Lord. I would liken this, uh, the, the, this honoring by the nations to Israel. It, it's, if you've ever had a bully in junior high that, that picked on you, and then in high school you befriended them, and oddly enough they became your best friend. And all of a sudden in high school you've maybe picked up some skills or some personality attributes or whatever it was, and, and they kind of admire you maybe. Uh, when the bully turns like that, 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 that's what this would be like. And, uh, and if some of you are in school and you're facing bullies right now and you're like, how do you do that? You know, um, there's, there's social skills that you need to be aware of. You need to ask questions. One thing that I found helpful going to a public school was sharing the gospel respectfully, carefully, um, not being obnoxious. Uh, only had a few young people trust Christ, but everybody seemed to respect me then and understand that there was something that was different, something that was good. And I would commend you to share Christ, again with wisdom, not being obnoxious, not being a smart aleck, know-it-all, but being earnest. And uh, most people won't follow you, but they'll know where you're coming from. They'll know where you're headed. And, and I, 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 I've just, I, I found that that was helpful. But again, when that junior high bully becomes a friend, it just happens over and over in life. Uh, for me, for people that I, I know, for my children, and uh, that's what Israel's going to experience. The bullies are going to be just absolutely admiring this nation because of their walk with God. And for Jerusalem, the promise in verse 10, 15 is clear. They will be majestic forever. And um, we will also be welcome. Uh, whereas you have been forsaken and, hate, and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you Majestic forever, a joy from age to age. We are going to be passing through. We are going to be visiting the holy city. We are going to be welcomed there like family. It will be a delight. Fellow Gentiles, let me just ask you a question. Um, when you get to Jerusalem in the new earth, are you going to have any qualms about humbling yourself and honoring Israel? Just think about it. Abraham will be there. Are you going to have any hesitation to honor Abraham, King David, a man who could fight warfare like nobody's business and yet loved God and could do music and poetry? And, and other than a major stumbling in his life, he was known as a man after God's own heart. Are you going to have any qualms about honoring him? How about Anna, the prophetess, who dwelled in the temple every day looking for the Messiah. And when he came, she honored Mary and Jesus. Um, how about the widow who gave her last might, laid it all on the line in her worship of the Lord? Are you going to have any qualms? about it? These are princes and princesses. Uh, these are God's royal family. There's a sense in which we're all going to rule and reign with Christ in the millennium and the eternal state. 
but we are going to delight to honor God's people. Um, we will all be 100% sanctified. They will be 100% sanctified and 100% worthy. A royal family worth looking up to. And uh, it does say at the end of verse 15, a, a joy from age to age. Now, in our breakup of the future events, we see the future events being, uh, you know, the, the next big age and, and the one this is talking about uh, either being the millennial kingdom or the eternal state. I think both are present in today's text. So when it says from age to age, are there just two? There's, there's at least an open door and a possibility that eternity is going to be broken up into infinite ages. Each one beautiful, each one satisfying, but the next one being more wondrous and complex and exciting than the one that we are in. And now, who could pull that off? Give you absolute total delight in his presence, but then change it up from age to age and break up eternity into ages. Only an infinite God. Infinitely complex, infinitely wise, infinitely capable. And you will have a perfect mind to study him, but he is inexhaustible. You will continue for all of eternity discovering your God and walking with him on the new earth. So I think that's a little clue, and I've seen it in other uh, passages that refer to the ages to come, and I don't think that just refers to tribulation, millennium, and eternal state. I, I think that there is a lot of wonder, that, that God just leaves a lot of wonder for us in the eternal state. God can change hearts, the hearts of these kings who just, just love, intimately love Israel, that formerly persecuted Israel, God can change relationships where bullies become besties. <laughs> um, do not ever, Christian, think of anyone as being beyond the gospel. And do not underestimate the joy you can share with them when you lead someone to Christ. You'll be surprised if you start opening the door to that conversation, you'll be surprised how many people are interested, how many people are wondering, how many people are looking for purpose in this life and what it all means. Pray, follow the Spirit, be loving, be considerate in proclaiming the gospel. Don't force it where you see that it's not welcome, you see the conversation is not going well. Just bow out of the conversation. Acknowledge, I see you're not interested. And bow out graciously, and instead of proclaiming the gospel, live the gospel and pray for them. Maybe that'll convert them as well. Well, our final point here, God will be the light of Israel and he will delight in direct fellowship with his people, verses 17 through 22. Instead of bronze, you'll see this upgrading of materials. Instead of bronze, I'll bring gold. Instead of iron, I'll bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make you overseers, uh, make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day. I think scientists say our sun has five billion years worth of life left in it. Um, nothing for us to worry about uh, as human beings and nothing for us to worry about as Christians because there's going to come a time very soon that God is not going to need the sun. Uh, that could be metaphor. Uh, I Kind of think it's literal, both because of the condition of the sun, if it's only going to last five billion years, um, and the number of times that this is mentioned in Scripture. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God your glory. Your sun 
shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. Now, the sun and moon going down and withdrawing itself, that seems to be problematic in their culture. We have lighting today, but in antiquities, when you're working and the sun went down, that sometimes stopped the work and, uh, at, in an op- inopportune time. And the moon, uh, you know, in some jobs, you know, sun goes down, that's okay if we got a moon, especially a harvest moon, that's great. But sometimes the moon would withdraw itself and it's utter darkness and your work is done. And so it seems to be, uh, that, that seems to be one of the negatives about dealing with the sun and moon is that there are some inconsistencies with them, uh, unreliability. But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, I already read that. Your sun shall no more go down nor the moon withdraw itself for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. And, uh, and so there we're, we're talking about being in the light and, and that is also serving there with a metaphorical meaning that, that we are going to be uh, 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 done with mourning. We're going to be uh, uh, lifted up. Verse 21, your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. Imagination, your people, all righteous. Your family, all righteous. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. That God could be lifted up in his people. And then verse 22, the least one shall become a clan. The smallest one, a mighty nation. So again, these are prince and princesses. These are, uh, these are God's people. They are a delight. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. And again, we might hear, in its time, I will enjoy it. As I think of the sun and the moon, um, you know, and, and the elimination, I, I would think of it, if you want to turn there, I want to uh, open your Bibles to Revelation 21, where that is also mentioned. And I've mentioned a few terms today, and I've, my time here is just about up, so I'll go through this chart quickly. Uh, I put up charts not to say, say we have all the answers, and this is all 100% known fact. There is at least one detail in here, the pre-tribulation rapture, that I would give my doctrine a 70-80% chance of certainty that I've got the right inferences. But the pre-trib rapture is based on inferences from Daniel's 70 weeks. There's a seventh, 70th week, seven years, that has not yet been fulfilled. Um, also from the promises to the churches in the book of Revelation. There's one church that is told, uh, for walking faithfully, you will not have to endure the great tribulation that will try the whole earth. Now, I don't think that God was thinking, because you're all going to be dead and your church isn't going to exist by the time that happens. No, I think this is a promise linked to righteousness, and they don't exist today. I think it was a promise that applies to the church writ large across the world. So we have a few inferences why we put this up here. We understand right now, after the cross, we are in the church age, an indeterminate amount of time that has gone on for 2,000 years. At some unknown but imminent point, the next event we look forward to is the rapture of the church, a pre-trib rapture. Some Christians believe in a mid-trib before the wrath rapture. Others believe in a post-trib rapture. They're all my brothers. Um, Tribulation lasts seven years. Christ returns. There's the battle of Armageddon. At this battle, at this battle, all of the combatants are killed, all of the enemies. But what about the people back in their lands? Uh, well, again, we, we see that Jesus is going to rule with an iron fist. So I'm understanding non-combatants back in their lands slip into the millennium, that they aren't killed globally, that the combatants at Armageddon are killed. Either that or the world is repopulated by Christians who are alive. By the way, at the rapture of the church, we receive glorified bodies 
We are perfected because we see him as he is. We are like our Savior, like our God in holiness. We are fixed of all of our problems. That's a great joy. But these Christians who live through the tribulation and enter the millennium are human beings that if they're, if they're Christians, they've trusted Christ by faith, and they populate the humanity that is going to be conceiving and propagating throughout the millennial kingdom. Their children will have a choice of salvation or not. One way or the other, the non-combatants in the foreign lands or the children of saints, there's going to be another great battle and rebellion at the end of the millennial kingdom in which all unbelievers will be destroyed finally and for all. And we go into the eternal state, which again I think could be divided up into ages. Now, I mention that because there are, um, there are some things that I look for in a text that tell me, are we talking millennial kingdom or are we talking eternal state? One of those things is the presence of a temple or not. Ezekiel talks about the millennial kingdom temple, a temple that has never existed on earth, but I believe will one day exist. And listen to what he says in Ezekiel 46 before we go to Revelation 21. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast, he who enters by the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate, and he who enters by the south gate shall go out by the north gate. No one shall return by way of the gate by which he entered, but each shall go straight ahead. Now, that's kind of a trivial detail, but it, it's a picture of what worship at the temple looks like. A temple is uh, the, the, the seat, the holy place of God, where his Shekinah glory, his physical presence is known on the earth. And you have walls and gates, why, in a temple? Why do you have walls and gates? To separate the holy from the common, the holy from the profane. And, and so in this millennial kingdom, you still have people, if they're going to visit God in his special presence on this earth, they have to go through the north gate and continue to the south gate or they got to come in the south, go to the north and it's protected. Why? Because there are unglorified believers here, people who have sinned, who have repented, who have come to Christ, coming to worship. And there might even be unsaved people who think they are worshiping, but, you, but you've got the common and, and you've got the profane, so you've got walls, you've got a temple. Do you know one of the promises of the eternal state is this? There will be no more temple. No more temple because God will be with us. He'll be our light He'll be with us. Again, that's part of that unfettered fellowship. We're holy. He's holy. And it's just a delight to be together. Listen to um, uh, Revelation 21, verse 22. I'm in verse 22 if you turn there. And I saw no temple in the city. And by the way, Revelation 20, if you go home and read the chapter before, that is the millennial kingdom as I understand that passage. And Revelation 21, verse 22 says, I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or moon to shine on it. Now again, I'm taking that literal with metaphorical meaning. Like the virgin birth of Christ, the metaphor is he's the son of God, virgin born, son of God, not the son of a human sinner, but the son of God. But he was literally virgin born, even though the metaphor behind the reality is bigger than the reality itself. Um, and here we have, I saw no temple in this city because its temple is the Lord. No need for the sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light, the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Again, this is the eternal state, no temple they will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. 
So again, I think eternity on this earth, it, it's, there's going to be work, there's going to be productivity, there's going to be creativity, but no curse, no thorns, no sweat, no pain in childbirth. Uh, well, actually, in turtle state, there will be no childbirth, excuse me there, but, um, but the curse will be entirely lifted. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anybody who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There will be no temple because all of the inhabitants will be holy and glorified. So um, all Israel, in verse number 21, all Israel will be righteous. Look at verse number 21. The people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. And again, this is to God's glory. It's his work. Verse 22, princes. And, and uh, just, just uh, the least shall become a clan. Uh, the the uh, smallest, a mighty nation. I am the Lord. I will hasten it. I will enjoy it. And again, I ask you, when was the last time God could say of fellowshipping with mankind, I, I just enjoy being with you. Person to person, face to face in total unfettered fellowship and holiness. Garden of Eden, pre-fall. I think that was the last time. And I think that that is going to be, that, that curse of sin, that uncleanness from sin will be totally, utterly removed. Everyone will be righteous. So Christian, I want you to rest in this fact. You were created for God's enjoyment. And God has redeemed you in such a way that you're going to be fully restored to that role. It'll be like those friends who you do not have to try to enjoy. When you're in their presence, mutual enjoyment is just automatically, you can't shut it off. God will restore you to that role. And your enjoyment of him will be infinite and eternal. The world, as we saw today, is going to come to a point of utter darkness. And where is going to be the light for the world? Israel. This is the promise we've seen today. God's hand of chastisement that has used the nations to abuse and provoke Israel as punishment will be turned from Israel and turned unto her enemies if they do not repent. And God will restore his people to righteousness. Jews in the land delighting in God, being honored by Gentiles who delight in God and delight to serve Israel in God's name. It'll just be a beautiful era. I want to leave you with this thought. Let's have some down payment on that today. One of those down payments on being perfectly righteous, having perfect fellowship with God is this, progressive sanctification. You remember when I talked a moment ago how people will come up to you and say, you know, you've changed in the last five years. And I mean for the better. You have dropped some really bad character traits and put on some really, and that doesn't just happen. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the Word of God working in your heart. Let's have some down payments on righteousness now. Let's participate with the Holy Spirit in progressive sanctification and progressively fellowshipping with our God as we honor and obey Him. We're Gentiles mostly in this room. God has given us Jewish believers and Jewish believers in the land of Israel. Uh, you know, if kings are going to delight to honor God's people then, Perhaps that's something we can do now. I mentioned before Paul talking about that collection for the Jews where he said, for they were pleased to do it, the Gentiles were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. That is in our dispensation of time. Paul is saying the Gentiles owe it to the Jews. Here's the rationale. For if the Gentiles have come to share their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. 
namely money in context. And, and so we have opportunity to support believers in Israel, and we owe it to them. We can make deposits on this honoring of God's people today. Now, not all Israel is the true Israel, believing Israel. It's a subset of Jews in the world today that I believe we ought to just have some deposits on that honor. And in the name of God, in the name of the spiritual blessing we've inherited through the Jews, we should honor them with our finances. And we do each month here at Cornerstone. So, he has given us fellow believers in our local church. You know, I talked about that unfettered fellowship. He has given us local believers in the church who we can love. And it's not a question of talent or resources. It's a question of loving service where God has given you opportunity. Again, I don't know everything that Ruth did in the last life of her, week of her life, but she was faithful. She was here, fellowshipping with believers. Her loving works were not works of, of grandiose talent and, and massive wealth. They were works of love. Vacuuming the floor, setting up chairs is ministry. Opening your home making cookies, setting up a fellowship, uh, whatever it might be. As I said earlier, we've all had worse weeks, spiritually speaking, which would not have been a great prelude to entering the presence of our Lord. Make every week of your life be full of loving, fruitful service in the name of God to the glory of our Savior Jesus Christ. And may God call you in the midst of a fruitful week at the time of your passing. And may you fill cornerstone houses with tears when you go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your work. Lord, we all need this text today. We are all sinners. We have not come here today to proclaim what good people we are. Uh, We have come here to proclaim our Savior Jesus Christ who we need because we are not good people. We are sinners by nature and sinners by experience and temptation. And Father, we thank you that we are saved in Jesus Christ who lived a righteous life on our behalf and died a punitive death on our behalf. And God, all of us who have placed our faith in him are in him. We are saved. We are righteous. God, we are very, very excited to be in your presence, made fully holy and fully able to, to fellowship with you with open love without any shame nobody relegated to the back corner of heaven because they aren't really all that great everyone standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ Father we thank you for this we thank you for this work of yours we delight to honor you we delight to honor your people Israel and Father we delight to submit to your Holy Spirit applying your word and cleansing us please do so in Jesus name Amen